In a world where magic is everywhere, monsters are real, and inhibitions are non-existent, Atlantis is the most coveted destination, and pirates make all the rules. That's right. The Dangerous Tides Kickstarter is live. We're bringing you six brand new books from authors like Katie Robert and C.M. Nascosta. These ultra-spicy fantasy books feature sirens, kidnappings, aliens, disguises, monsters, sex magic, second chances, and so much more that can't be mentioned in polite company. They combine otherworldly adventure with sweeping romance in a way that will keep your heart racing from start to finish. By backing the Kickstarter, you can read these books this month. Of course, we've also got foiled special editions with sprayed edges in hardback and paperback, gorgeous art, and swag, which you'll have in your hands this fall. The Kickstarter will be over in the blink of an eye, so don't miss it. This is the only place you can get these special editions and swag, not to mention getting the ebooks five months earlier than they're available to anyone else. This is your invitation to unlock the secrets of Atlantis. So click the link in the show notes and enter at your own risk. Welcome to Bonkers Romance, the podcast where Melody Carlisle, Katie Robert, and Jenny Nordback celebrate romance authors who take big risks and stick the landing. In case you missed it, there is still time to check out our Kickstarter for the Peculiar Tastes series. If you treat yourself to any pledge tier now, you'll have all six ebooks in early September, so you can really gear up for spooky season. I mean, Sierra Simone wrote a sapphic book about a fae queen and the graduate student she makes her pet. Adriana Herrera's Meet Cute is when the heroine's ex crashes her orgy. And like, Katie's giving us magical pegging. Listen, you're gonna want these books. And the Kickstarter is waiting. This week though, we have more tasty morsels for your ears to snack upon. Sophie Lark is here to help Katie recap The Bear and the Nightingale by Catherine Arden. A huge bonus is that you get to listen to Jenny being peak Jenny as she desperately tries to make the villain into the love interest all episode. Enjoy! We have Sophie Lark here today, and I'm very excited. Hi, Sophie. Hi, guys. I'm so excited, too. I've been looking forward to this interview since we said it. I think it's going to be so fun. I just, I was like, maybe she'll say yes if I creep into her DMs totally professionally and not at all chaotically. And then you did, and I was like, ah! <laughs> If we start out professional with each other, it always turns to chaos at some point. I feel like none of us are completely without chaos. No, absolutely not. Well, and you're totally one of those authors where when we were sort of talking about like what bonkers means and like how, you know, the obvious ones are like aliens and monsters and whatever, but like 
where can you see it outside of that? And Katie started reading Brutal Prince and she was texting me like, this is fucking bonkers. Like, oh, yes. oh my God, <laughs> he just, and then she, and then they, and, and then of course I read it and was doing the same back. And so that sort of epitomizes it for us. But what does it mean for you? Just, just full send. Like the, the beauty of romance and the thing I love most about it is you don't hold back. You don't have to worry about jumping the shark or being nuts. Like just go for it. It's all about intensity. It's all about extremism. So I love that like whatever genre you're in in romance, whether it's comedy or whether it's dark, like you're allowed to go balls to the wall and people love it. When you're writing something like that, like, all right, it's their wedding day. He's allergic to strawberries and she's going to yes. eat some fucking strawberries. Do you like, is there any hesitation? Is there a moment of like, oh shit? Or is it like, no, I'm doing the thing. Oh no, I always go for it. And I only realize I'm in trouble later. Like when I wrote that scene, I thought it was so funny. And then it was only later that people are like, allergies are not a joke, Sophie. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> And yet, it, that is the single, like, scene that I see people sell that book for constantly. Like, oh, she just went, like, and then, and so that's why I actually had bought it is because I think I saw three, no less than three TikToks that were like, she knows he's allergic to strawberries and she eats it before the wedding and he goes into anaphylactic shock and she spends a lovely night by herself in the honeymoon suite. <laughs> which nobody ever followed it up with. And then he does a little like drowning as a love language afterwards. Like, you know, drowning that, as a love language. I didn't know that yeah. that was a thing that I needed in my life, but it is <laughs> fictionally. That they constantly one up each other. I had just watched Mr. and Mrs. Smith. So that was kind of like a vibe that I was going for is like each one trying to top the other and it gets more and more extreme. But I had no idea when I wrote that scene, like how iconic it would become and how the strawberry would become like a symbol of rebellion. I, I didn't know that at the time. All I thought to myself is what could he be allergic to? Strawberries are pretty sexy. And then I also kind of thought of poison ivy and the way she kisses Batman yes. and poisons him. So the way that the kiss becomes deadly is very sexy so well, i'm like okay allergies aren't funny and they aren't a joke but neither is being married to for forced to marry your enemy like it, right. the stakes are high enough that it's like yeah it's not a joke well and i'm very results-based like i was like he was fine so <laughs> it was super fine his mom had an epi pen because his mom was prepared as all mothers often are so it was good right <laughs> Yeah. Well, um, the, way, the way that Callum is obsessed with being dignified and respected and Ada is constantly like making him wear the clown suit and just like really taking the legs out from under him. It's how to hurt him the most. So <laughs> yeah. it's, their dynamic is so satisfying and compared like, cause I think I've read through all that series and then the um, Kingmaker series and like the only one that comes close for them, like I love them all but I really love Sabrina. Like, oh, me too. like she, I'm just like, Oh, like, yeah, she's just going to steal his motorcycle. She's going to do the threesome. She's going to just, you know, like she's so ballsy and like fearless. And that book, like just stole my heart. <laughs> I love that. Kate. Not everyone loves Sabrina. She definitely can be a dick, but that was the point for me when I was writing her was that she's not a good girl. She's a bad girl. Everything she does is bad. Everything she does is wild. She's, she's obsessed with experience and intensity and she does nothing through consequences and she hates being restrained. And I think a lot of us feel those impulses. We try not to act on every single one, but we feel the same impulse. <laughs> <laughs> when I really feel, because I've run into this just in my writing as well, that if Sabrina was a hero, 
people would be throwing their panties at him. Like, so I, I, I was just delighted. I was delighted by that, especially by that first threesome scene. Cause it's Jenny, it's, it's a, it's them and a lady. They pick up a lady at a strip club and, and she's just all like, yeah, you know, you're sexy dude, but like, I don't really care if you're here. Like I'm here about her <laughs> and it's solely about like her pleasure with like the lady. And it is like, it's such a great dynamic and like, just so absolutely unapologetic and i just ate if it we don't say the title people are gonna revolt uh the, the bully the oh sorry the savage no the bully is the other title. one i really loved <laughs> yes. i can picture the cover the title the cover yeah i know exactly which one you're talking about the bully's dean right yeah yeah that's, exactly. yeah, that's the other one i really loved i've loved dean, uh, dean. I, I do love i do love dean you love all my favorites too katie we, i can yes. tell it's because you have a dark soul too yes. <laughs> <laughs> well yes. i know that's the order i need to read in because katie and i align there too so that'll be good well, and I, I mean i do recommend reading the Kingmakers in order just because Dean starts as like, it's almost a love triangle that I'm like, am I supposed to be rooting for anyone except Dean? Like, I don't know. I root for Dean. And then like his arc is over several books. And so, yes. yeah, uh, he's good. He's, he's good. A, I was trying a new experiment, which is that each book actually has three POVs instead of two. And the third POV is a person that shows up as the hero of one of the subsequent books. So it really helps you over the course of the four books to already, like Dean's story spans three books instead of just one, even though he's only the hero of one. So it was a, it was a really interesting experiment for me to do development over a longer arc. So it's definitely best if you read them in order. Oh, I like yeah. that a lot. Yeah, it's it's delightful. Like it it hits the id points so hard. It's like the freaking school. There's like you know the the houses inside the school. It's, Lots of hard it's, words. Yeah, <laughs> I <hate> to do <laughs> it. Well, it it feels very out of world in a way that I really enjoy in my dark romance because it's like obviously this it has no basis in reality because it is a bunch of mob like legacy kids who are 18 to like 22 in this college doing learning about murder and shit <gasps> and um i had and, like, no how idea to, this like, is the premise oh yeah, oh yeah how to like disrupt governments and like it's it's a whole thing and then they have like a tournament every single year between the years like the freshman sophomore etc cetera, etc cetera. And it's just, but you know, and then there's all these rivalries between like, oh, like your family six generations back, like spit on my family. And so I hate you. And it's just, it's delicious. It's, it's, it's like everything I love all in one. Thank you, Katie. That, you were dead right that I wanted it to feel like it's a different world. That's why it's on an island. That's why it has its own rules. There isn't magic, but it feels like you've been transported yeah. to another world. Oh, I'm so glad you love it. I actually, I'm currently in the process of reading Young <laughs> Gods right now, and I'm already obsessed. I love your prose. I am obsessed with the way that you combined the actual magic and the actual pantheon of people, but it's a very modern city, urban feeling, which I'm just like loving, loving, loving so much. I'm, I'm not very far. You can see I just started, but I'm already dying. <laughs> Yeah, fangirl moment. I love uh, this. Okay, I guess the we should recap. Yeah. Like, I guess that's why we're here. I could also just yeah. talk about your books all day. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're gonna build in a brief pause for some updates. Perfect. Oh, hey, it's Temple Update time. This month, we're back on our bullshit with Katie regaling us with more fertile in my ex boyfriend's dungeon. 
And I can neither confirm nor deny that we discover an actual hard limit for Katie. Hannah Witten is also going to stop by to give us all of her best spooky season wrecks. In book club news, everyone in the Joybringer tier and Celebrant tier can download their ebook copies of My Wicked Prince by Molly O'Keefe and the entire audiobook collection of Court of the Vampire Queen by the one and only Katie Robert. Finally, Joybringers and Celebrants can check out all the digital art we've created for the temple. It's all on one convenient page waiting for you. If you want to get in on any of this goodness, head to bonkersromance.com temple and sign up. All right, back to the show. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> and we are recapping The Bear and the Nightingale. Is that right? Yes. And yes. who's the author? I don't have that in front of me. You know, I should have looked it up, but I did not. I, well, I, I have, wrote it, bear I have bear. it right here. I'm so embarrassed when I can't remember author names because you want to give them that respect. But it's yeah. Catherine, Catherine Arden. And I have to say, this was her first book she ever wrote at a very young age. And the quality of the prose and the historical research just makes me sick with jealousy. I love her so much. I'm so obsessed. This trilogy is like my favorite one of my all-time favorite top three fantasy series and my all-time favorite slow burn. So if you want a slow burn that makes you buy the third book just from like a term of endearment, like melt and die, like that's what this is. <laughs> I have to say, I after finishing, because I finished reading last night, I immediately bought the second one and was like, yes, I am invested. I'm invested because it feels very, like in the prose and how the story like rolls out feels very like fairy tale in a way that like, is my crack so we will just get into it it's 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 russia times which is and, unusual. yeah it's such like a so it's the story centers around this one family that lives up in northern there's the dad purte but you listen the, the the narrator had this lovely russian accent and i cannot replicate my mouth <laughs> we're just gonna torture that. katie I think we just it, gotta commit to like a pronunciation and move on and accept it's, it's, probably wrong. Wrong. <laughs> it's mostly the dad's name everybody else's i think i have and he's married to marina and and it's it was an arranged marriage but it's a love match like they they have big love for each other and they have four children three boys one girl and so they, and it's like one of those like old timey, like they have a winter location where everybody sits around the fire and like sleeps on in the, that, some, they sleep by the fire. You enter in with the nurse, the older nurse. She was the mother's nurse. She's all the children's nurses. She's been around for fucking ever <laughs> telling this story. And it's very like reminiscent of like the traditional fairy tale it's a father he's got a beautiful daughter he remarries the stepmother does not fuck with that daughter very jealous she has a daughter as well decides that that she wants this this daughter gone and so they send her out like convinces the father like i i have an engagement for this daughter to um nope i lied there's gonna be a couple names i'm gonna fuck up <laughs> Moros, Moros, whatever he's the fucking death god like he's not the winter king which is not the same thing i got very confused because everybody has like six names yeah. um but he's like like winter freeze death 
And so she's like, we're going to engage, engage our, your lovely daughter to this, this God, this demon, frost demon. I mean, sounds good um, to me. <laughs> so he takes her to the woods, leaves her under this oak tree. In the way of fairy tales, there's three things. Like she gets colder and colder. Like this, the wind is like, are you cold? And she's like, very like, I'm not going to complain. She's like, no, it's, it's very warm. I'm fine. Like three times does this on the third time. She's like about to die. And then like the frost demon is like, it's cool. I admire your bravery. Here's a bunch of riches and shit. Also, I'm going to deliver you home. So she comes home with just rich to the gills. And of course the stepmother is furious and is like, well, my daughter deserves that too. So like sends her daughter out the same way. Oh no. <laughs> but yeah. her daughter is, is not of the same character strength. And so like when the wind comes, it's like, are you cold? She's like, fuck yes, I'm cold. Are you kidding me? Like you idiot. And like, again, it's like, are you cold? And she's like, yes, I'm waiting for this freaking idiot to show up and like, give me riches and whatever, whatever, like why are you asking me these stupid questions? Like she's, you know, to be fair, that's how I would respond. But, <laughs> and then on the third one, he like touches her throat and she dies, like freezes to death <gasps> instantly. She's dead. So, oh, no. and so like, you know, the father brings her back and big wailing morning, whatever. So the story sort of ends there. And back in the thing, we find out the Marina who's very frail because it's winter times and everybody just kind of starves through the winter. Like they try real hard, but they all starve is super thin kind of sickly and we find out she's pregnant and in the course of this conversation with her husband because he's like oh that's not a good idea like you gave you have a daughter we have three sons i want you i don't want more babies like fuck this baby you find out that marina is the daughter of this mysterious lady who just sort of wandered into moscow one day and like was beautiful like on this horse maybe and everybody who saw her like she kind of left like miracles behind her and so the head dude king whatever he's called in moscow is like hey girl love your style definitely i'm gonna marry you and because you know he was like who's this beautiful person causing issues and and then married her and marina is her daughter and again, Sophie, jump in whenever, because I'm just going to run through it. <laughs> so so um, essentially, she appeared, she's magical. So her grandma's a witch. Her mom is sort of a witch. And as she's pregnant with her, she can sense that the child that's about to be born will have her power, which her previous daughter and her previous three sons do not possess. They are normal. They are non-magical. Ooh, chills. I like it. Yes. And and <laughs> which her, her husband's like, but like, do we need, do we, do we need a magic? And the nurse is like, you, I can't guarantee that you're going to live through this pregnancy. And she's like, I'm going to live to see her born, which is it, very clearly like uh. she's not much further. <laughs> so in November, the baby's born, the mother's very delighted and promptly dies, like promptly just it, like get, secures the promise from her husband to like take care of the baby. And he's like, yeah, okay. And then she passes away with a smile on her face. And like, he, he loved her very deeply. Yeah. So fast forward six years, he's not remarried because like, who the fuck can compare? Uh, the child's name is Vasilis, Vasilisa, Alyssa, Lisa, whatever. They call her Vasya. She's a wild child, as one can expect. She she does a lot of running. She spends a ton of time in the woods. The only one of her brothers can ever catch her when she like does a sneak and run. So she, this particular day, the nurse is making like honey cakes. And so she like, she does, she tries to be patient, but she can't be patient. She grabs some honey cakes, takes off. And for the first time, and cause she's six for the first time, 
she gets lost in the woods. Like she can't find her way back. The woods have changed. She's not sure what the hell happened. It's mm-hmm. of course winter. So it's, 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 you know, there's going to be a snow. Um, and she comes across this Oak tree that she's never seen before. And she's been all up in these woods, never seen this Oak tree before. And beneath it is a man who's like sleeping, maybe question mark. And he's got one eye. And so she kind of is like, um, you're going to freeze to death sir like excuse me and he like wakes up and is like sinister as shit and he's just <laughs> kind of like come here little girl and she's like i don't think so i think not um i'm only six which like my my youngest is seven so i'm like well babies wow. but um but like he's very compelling and he's just like come here little girl like not totally creepy but like real creepy and but before <laughs> she can like make contact this lean man on a white horse remember him you will see him lots comes like sweeps in does a sweep away there's like a charged like slight conversation between them like obviously this man and the one-eyed man have a history she finds her way back suddenly to like out of the woods and and everybody there's a search party there's a straight up search party everybody's searching for her because Uh if they don't find her before the snowfall she will definitely be dead and they're all real mad at her so after this, her dad's like, shit, I think I might need a wife because like the nurse is getting that's old. What keeps kids in line, right? Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that's, it's women's work. Yeah. <laughs> and she's, she's growing up very tomboyish and wild. And in their society, the only purpose of these girls is to be married off to other wealthy boyers by the age of 14, 15, 16. And everything is about getting married and everything is about providing children for your husband. And there is no other purpose for women. Like your family will be shamed if you're not worthy to get married. And this book does not shy away from the historical accuracy of how horribly young these girls are, how they basically get locked in a tarum once they're married and they're just brood mares and the book is very honest about the fate that inevitably waits for this girl and she wants her biggest drive is freedom and everything in her society is supposed to teach her to conform and to behave herself and become a proper wife yeah so so but like the nurse is like i'm too old to be chasing down this girl like love her to death deeply but also like that's not my job and the sister olga is like uh, I the age difference kind of like blurred for me, but not old enough to be mother material. And also she's she's gonna be married off at some point. So the dad's like, all right, I guess I'm gonna do a trek to Moscow. Like I have to present my oldest two sons anyways to the king folk. Um, who's his brother-in-law? Like is Marina's brother or half-brother? So he's like, I guess I'll find a wife and like present my sons and also find somebody to marry Olga, who's like 14 at yeah. best at this point. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like some of the dynamic is super sketch, which is intentional, absolutely intentional yeah. to make you feel slightly uncomfortable. Yeah. But like as yeah. we get into it. And so and even, even the father, he looks at his daughter, Basia, and he loves that she's free and she's and she's so spirited. And even he feels awful about what he has to do to her. He imagines her pregnant and heavy and and like miserable, but he knows that there's no other fate for her. It's a nunnery or it's marriage. That's the only yeah. options for yeah. her. You got, you got two options and that's it. So they go to Moscow. There's a bunch of politicky shit going on that like doesn't super matter for this purposes. Um, other than like Sasha, who's the second oldest brother, who's like real charming, real good. I'm assuming we'll see more of him in the future books. Um, he will, he's very religious. He wants to be a priest and his father is like 
but like also you're really good with men and also like really you're a great leader you're a good like fighter person like i would like you to stay not with a priest but he does a venture out meets this monk dude that's like he says we take only seekers that do not know what they're looking for which he's like would love to have you have you join us up and so sasha goes back and is like oh my god i'm going to join the monks and his dad's like Hmm. great um are you two conditions uh you can't do it till after next harvest because and you can't see him until then like so you need the distance to do the thing and then if you become a monk your inheritance with your brothers and whatever you're not going to get any resources from me like you are leaving all that behind if you join the monks he's like cool that's not fair but also fine so again more politics there's some like because the Tartars like kind of hold sway in Moscow, the like there's just like you know it's messy backstabby politics. The king is concerned that his son's only ten, his son's cousin's like thirteen or fourteen. Like in words, they're a little bit older, going to be married first. He is his parents are striking up this allegiance with like this powerful family, and if he gets married and has babies first, the heir might get murdered up because that's how politics work. So he decides like, hey, let's marry this cousin off to Olga. And in the meantime, I'm also going to get rid of my daughter, Anna, who's like a little crazy. Like she sees shit. It doesn't like she's a she's a problem. She's a little crazy. Like I (laughs) legit feel for Anna because like she is a creature of her own making. She sees demons. Right. And she's just terrified all the time. The only place she does not see demons is in the chapel, like in the, and she wants to join a nunnery. Like that's all she wants in the world. And her dad's like, ha ha, JK, you're going to marry this older dude and just go off and give him sons, which the father like was already in negotiations for this marriage with this nice older lady. He doesn't want sons. He doesn't want more kids. He's like, I got enough fucking kids, but he can't say no because the King's like, this is a thing that's going to happen. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. So in the course of this, like negotiations and whatever, there's this moment in the marketplace, which is important because um, we see the stranger on a white horse and he's looking for something. The signs have taken him here to this marketplace. He's not really sure what the signs have been wrong before. It's the mysterious he's, stranger again. Yes. He's, he's, he's clean shaven. <laughs> That's not the way the Russians play. Um, there's a really great gorgeous blue eyes and he's yes, very he intriguing. He is. <laughs> oh, I like this one. <laughs> he's good. Um, a thief tries to steal his horse. His horse is like, I am not literally not moving. Like, there's nothing you can do to make me move. And like he takes him down, marks him with the, the thing. Like he does he does a lot of throat grabs. Oh, um I like it more. And, <laughs> um, and so like I think he and the dad interact briefly here, and then he just sort of like wanders off. Um well the the son accidentally offends him, and then he forces the dad to take a magic necklace. To, to prevent him killing his son. And then he says, you have to give this to your daughter, but not to ever tell anyone where you got it from. And he has to make that deal to save his son's life. But he, of course, is like, this is sketchy as hell. <laughs> but he and like his, it's the oldest son, right? The heir who's been just like yeah. drinking and like sleeping his way through Moscow. And so he's probably drunk through this whole interaction. But everybody <laughs> immediately forgets that it happened. Like immediately <sighs> forgets that it happened, except the dad. And he's just like, oh, okay like this this i'm not worried at all about this this is definitely um okay um so they it's like a fatty jewel it's like a big old blue jewel that like is rich as shit like it's not the kind of stuff that they traffic or like move about 
Um, Has she shown any signs of being a witch yet? A little bit. So what Katie was talking about with the with the other girl, Anna, who sees demons, quote unquote, there's a big theme throughout this book, which is the old magic, which is like the old Russian folk beliefs of the Demodoya and like the various creatures that live inside the house spirit that lives inside your giant oven, the spirit that lives in your uh, your barn and keeps your horses safe. The oh, spirit so that cool. Lives in the woods, the Rusalka, which is like their version of a mermaid that lives in the water. So there's all these various spirits. Some of them are malevolent some of them help to protect the people and the people give them offerings so they'll give them salt or bread they'll pray to them and the things that the people give them keep them alive they live off of human belief but there's a real uh schism in that the orthodox christian belief has embedded itself all over medieval russia so these priests and these churches have become this huge political power and they are enforcing their beliefs upon the people and they are pressuring the people to let go of their old folk beliefs but that's causing these 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 spirits to wither and die because they need humans to stay alive so mm. so the the girl Vasa Vasa she's she is seeing some of these spirits but her family's like don't lie don't tell nonsense because nobody can see it they don't believe her they just think it's one of her crazy things and meanwhile Anna her new mom can also see these things but she hates it and she's afraid of it and she pretends she can't see them and she freaks out every time she sees them and she's very oh. religious She's like really trying to avoid seeing these demons. And so once she realizes that Vasya can see them too, she hates her more than ever because this is confirmation that things are real. And so it becomes this like point of contention between them. Oh, I was, I thought where you were going with that is that they would be then like aligned and, you know, like, oh, we have a buddy who can also see the the scary things. But oh, no. Because the, the thing is, is Anna or she finds them terrifying. Vasya doesn't. And that mm. I think is the point of, oh, and one thing to note before we move on, because we do a time skip, is that when they get back to the North, the dad does not give the necklace to Vasya. He gives it to the nurse and, and the nurse has this nightmare of the stranger on his horse, or I think they're on a, like a, a sled or whatever. And he's like, why are you stealing this shit from me? Like, that's not meant for you. And she's like, she's a child. She's a baby. Like, can we, can we, can I hold on to it till she's grown? Like this talisman is very powerful. Like she's way too young to be involved in this stuff. And he's like, all right, until she's grown, but like, but, and so like but seven like- years pass. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. He's like, I- I'm watching your shit. Um, so in the, so seven years past, so Vasya is about 14 at this point. And basically through politic reasons, there's this priest dude who has big Frollo from Hunchback of Notre Dame energy, that except he's hot. Hot. Except he's like super hot. And he's <gasps> you get to book two with him, Katie. It is one of the darkest, most intense, most emotionally upsetting scenes I've ever read with him. And it is Frollo a thousand percent. His obsession that he develops with Basia is very hunchback of Notre Dame. It, I'm not it, supposed it, to be into it. Oh, it's, 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 it's like, cause she's, she's the opposite of everything that he represents because he was like getting a big kind of cult following. And so the head like priest type was like, huh, get this motherfucker out of here because he's going to challenge us, our power. Um, the, the upcoming charismatic prince. and he's seductive. Uh, and he, has his, he has his own brand of magic when it comes to whipping a crowd into a frenzy. And there's a super dark scene in the second book where he 
he basically wields this crowd as a weapon and it is so real as to how crowd dynamics work. It oh, really- I'm so scared of mobs. It's oh, like a visceral oh fear God. of mine. Oh. It was one of the scariest scenes I've ever read. Katie, you're going to lose your mind as this series goes on because book one is the worst book and it's incredible. Book two is even better, though it's so upsetting and dark. And then book three is the payoff where it's like everything that you wanted to happen finally like comes to fruition and it is powerful and it is it is inspirational and like and it's so romantic like you guys will just die the way that the, the way it goes through the moods and the way it builds 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 to the ultimate climax is fucking flawless like oh so i'm so excited um <laughs> but yeah so this this priest does not does not like vasya like she's too bold her eyes are a little witchy he he definitely like has pants feelings for this 14 year old which is not <laughs> ideal um he's attracted to her but he's angry at his own attraction he's a classic man of the type where when they are attracted to a woman they blame her and they hate it's her, her fault yeah yeah yes. yes. and it's something that like like needs to be divested of like he wants it out like to dig it out so they have a couple interactions he's a painter he paints like the icons of the saints and shit so like she takes him into the woods to like get these things and like she they she has some like really pointed conversations with him which are really great but like yes the one line where she says to him you need to be careful that when you think the voice of god is speaking to you you're not just voicing your own desires and thoughts which is so true of Boom. any religion or any belief system where you think that like something you're receiving and it's like no that's your own desires that you're projecting yeah, because he's initially furious that he's in this place. Like, he doesn't want to be in this little backwater town. He wants to be, like, you know, he's grown accustomed to. But, like, he starts to rile up the townsfolk. And he, like, he like he has, like, like Sophie said, like, kind of all this, like, magic of, like, verbiage and how he speaks and, like, his tone. It's said again and again that, like, he uses in his intense stare. And like, like any kind of cult leader, he's incredibly yeah. charismatic and persuasive. He knows how to play on people's emotions. His voice has this like beautiful hypnotic tone. Oh. And you see it again and again. And like, so he like whips this or starts to get like so fear into this community. Um, which Vasya, like, like she tries to push back, like she releases crickets in like the church, which immediately gets caught. Anna is like obsessed with this dude like she is like oh my god like like very zealot like yes also like there's definitely some like it's hard to say what the vibes are with her because like i it's like almost sexual but not really like it's it's she's just obsessed with him it's um, sexual in the way of like people who are obsessed with the religious leader where it's like there's definitely a romantic aspect they would never acknowledge it but like there's so much attraction there but yeah. it's, it's up to this point the townspeople have kind of had an uneasy balance between their past beliefs that they still recognize and their pre and their current beliefs which are like their real beliefs but like they also hold to the old ones now that the priest is here he's trying to force them to cut out all of their old traditions and their old culture and that oh. is causing the spirits to die it's causing the crops to fail and then the more that things go bad the more he uses that as proof that they're not righteous enough there's evil in their midst they need mm. to find people and root it out like he's riling them up because the things he's doing are causing negative consequences and like and through it all vasya is like single-handedly holding the line like she is sneaking what little food she can to like the spirits like in the stable in the house she goes out into the forest at one point and, and provides an offering to try to keep like the wolves at bay like she is 
literally bleeding for this town and like all they are is like that lady that girl's real strange i think she might be a witch like as the problems probably yeah yeah probably like she's she's a little too Mm. weird oh so then during this time there's another dream from the nurse that like the the stranger is like um it's time give her the freaking necklace yo and there's just like one more year, one more year, one more like midwinter or whatever, however they measure it. And he's like, my brother is waking up his prison weekends. Like you Ooh, need to, it, it's time, it's time. Like I need her to have this. It's the only thing to protect her. And he, and she's just like one more year, give her one more year. And so he reluctantly agrees during this spring, like the horses teach Vasya to ride like through, like she learns the language of the horses. It's really super cute. She... Like there's this another charged encounter with the priest where like she was swimming and like took a little nap and woke up and he was there and like they have one of those again charge interactions and like he ends up coming later that night and giving her like a like a cross and Anna freaks out and takes it and was like he meant that for me it's for me it's mine (laughs) is uh, he the love interest question mark okay no so it's just unwind that narrative in my head. Yes. So that night, Anna goes like middle of the night, which is totally the time to have like serious conversations and wakes up her husband is like, we need to marry Vasyov. And he's like, what now? And she's like, no, but like, also it's time. She's 14. We, We need to, you know, do the thing and marry her off. And so he's like, okay, I guess she's turned into a lady question mark. Um, he talks to the nurse about it and they finally realized that like, Hey, Vasya has like interest from like literally the, like the frost demon. Like they're like, Oh God, well, if we marry her, you know, gods and shit don't fuck with people who are married and just normal and like, you know, wasting away in their normal lives. So let's do that. So they bring in this dude who's like a neighbor type neighbor in the way of like old timey. So he lives like a couple days right away. He's big horse dude. (laughs) (laughs) he's he's very charming but also his horse does not like him his horse is scared of him so Vasya's like don't trust that so there's just like like the things are getting more tense Constantine who's the priest is like not super happy that she's getting married not super happy um she's like can you go the fuck back to Moscow like no one was scared before you came now everyone's terrified all the time he definitely has a minor meltdown and definitely slaps her. And she's just like, mm. and after this, a voice comes to him from the shadows, which he's a big old dummy. And he just, he's like, oh, this must be God. Seems legit. Definitely God talking to me from the shadows that are moving strangely. It's it's definitely God. Yeah, um, <laughs> the only reasonable conclusion. Right. Like definitely not literally anything else except God. And then her fiance kind of catches her in the stables and does like a smooch on her. She doesn't like it. He kind of likes that she doesn't like it, which is problematic in the extreme. Um, so they do the thing. They go on a hunt. Like we're going to, we're going to hunt boars or a boar. And like, so like the men go out first and then the women like come out afterwards to like do the women's work, which is the hard work, uh, not the fun stuff of murdering this poor. <laughs> and, and while they're out there, Vasya being Vasya slips into the woods and her fiance follows. And while she's out there, like she keeps getting these warnings from the spirits that they're like, bad stuff's coming. We can't protect you anymore because we're so weak now. The dead, beware the dead. 
but they can, won't like explain what the fuck they mean, you know, in the, in the way of spirits or demons or whatever you want to call them. And it disappears. And then again, her fiance does a like, Oh, I love that you're spirited. And <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not great. Not great. Um, but before it can go any further, thankfully, th- thankfully there's a whole thing like her nephew, little guy got on a horse. The horse was spooked because of shadows and the horse takes off. And so Vasya being Vasya moves faster than literally any dude. Like she steals her fiance's horse, takes off after him, manages to save her nephew before they hit a ditch. She's become by being able to talk to the horses. She's become like the best rider ever. Like she's Mm. practiced and practiced and practiced and through direct communication with them. She is like a rider, like a trick rider. Like it's, and so everyone sees her perform riding like they've never seen anyone ride. And they're like, what the hell? Cause like, you're not supposed to be able to do that at all as a woman. Yeah. Uh. And so instead of being like, wow, thanks so much for saving this child. They're like, that bitch is a witch. And yeah. her fiance is like, you embarrassed me and by, which, you know, good riddance, yeah. but her dad's like furious. And, but he's, he's the kind of furious that parents get when they're terrified for their children, because he uh-huh. sees the way the wind's blowing. And he sees that like, she's in yeah. almost immediate danger because the, the, like the town is rife for like some sketchy yeah. shit because everyone's scared. Everyone's hungry. It's, it's been Not like, a good you know, yeah, well, it's been like a prolonged period of like misfortune. And the way the way that they explain sexual assault in that book is that like there's very much the originators of rape culture, which is that if you are a woman and you are unattended or you're wearing clothes you're not supposed to wear or you're not with a chaperone or you're not protected, people will sexually assault you simply because you're basically asking for it. Like if you're out on your own and no one's protecting mm. you, you're dressed inappropriately, I guess you want this. Like, so the way that the way that it's shown that like anytime she leaves the protection of her father or her brother or her home, it is expected and assumed that this will be the consequence from any man she encounters. And that's shown throughout the whole series when she goes to travel, when she goes anywhere, like men are a constant threat and risk in that culture and society. Yeah, it doesn't sound familiar at all. (laughs) Only that society. (laughs) And so sketchy stuff starts to happen. Like they find like later on a mutilated buck, but there's like no evidence of what could have killed it. There's no prints or anything. A dog disappears, a pony disappears. And like, it's, it's just, it's like the walls are closing in, but the walls are winter they're just like like the villagers one of the villagers tries to like go to the priest and be like like i'm i i'm a god-fearing lady but also i'm a little concerned for my son because like somebody like what boy freezes to death like in his own home which it should not have happened but like you know yeah so she's like maybe we should start leaving offerings again and he flips out at her like it just you know does the priesty scare thing that next sermon that he gives the whole town is like he oh so sorry before that he he talks to his like his his shadow the god quote unquote and um the voice tells him that i i need you to invoke me in every sermon and every prayer which if 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 the priest was a a critical thinker might be like (laughs) oh i am invoking god in every prayer and everything but like he's like oh yeah no i'll definitely do that so the next like sermon he gives on like for the townsfolk is like fire and brimstone he doesn't invoke and anna starts screaming and she's like not here not here anywhere but here are you like no like demons 
And Vasya looks up and on like the crucifix, it's not Jesus. It's a one-eyed man. And the one-eyed man is back. Yeah. It's, <laughs> is it the brother? And so the um and like the so the, the townsfolk do a panic, the priest brings them into line, does more fear-mongering bullshit. That night bad vibes night falls bad vibes the horses like beg vasya to stay with them through the night and she agrees she f- falls asleep and wakes up in the dark to a soft chuckle oh. um <laughs> and she like looks out like i and again i'm not entirely certain how like the like the format of this like building is because i got super confused all the way through because I refuse to look anything up I just go on vibes but um <laughs> so she sees like a figure going but there's no footprints and she like tries to be courageous and be like I'm gonna go confront this thing but she is I don't know why what that word is that I made in my own notes basically like um is this where she the Constantine thing happens with the the dead lady? I think I'm not a hundred percent sure, but at, at some point there's basically like zombies slash vampires that are like people who have died from these evil happenings can be resurrected as basically like vampire zombie things. So this uh-huh. happens to a couple of the people who have died from the cold or from whatever. Yeah, because oh. they can't get in. Cause she's been feeding the, um, the hearth spirit, like her blood and her stuff. Like it can't get in, but it can get into the priest's room because he's not protected because he's oh. got a big old scare. And so Vasya, instead of being like good riddance by goes in after and saves his dumb ass. And then she has to be saved in turn because how is this girl going to fight a freaking zombie essentially? So again, the stranger in the dark cloak appears and he does like a cut thing on her hand, whatever they, they banish or not banish, but like scare the thing away. Does the priest know that she saved him or can he not see any of this happening or like, so he's having like a hallucination that's pretty sexy. And she like, there's like banging on the door and she slips out the window before, like he doesn't, he like thinks he sees her, but he is not entirely sure because he's all discombobulated from the sexy feelings. Um, <laughs> but the and the cloak man is the man on the white horse. Yes, he's okay. but he just like poofs and appears and poofs and appears like there is no consistency there. It, it's just like, go ahead, Sophie. Oh, I was gonna say. So these two brothers, one of them is Maraz, who is like the Frost King, and the other one is Medved, who is like he's a monstrous bear, or he's like the king of of he's basically like the king of summer, and the other guy is the king of winter. And so their power balance shifts whenever the weather shifts. And the Maraz, the Frost King, he can only come out at full power when it's winter. And uh, he's the one who's from the fairy tale from the very beginning. And then his brother is the one sleeping under the tree one eye and he also takes the form of a monstrous bear at times so uh-huh. and he he deals with fear like, this, like storytelling yeah it's oh. so it's so rich and detailed i have never read a book with so much historical detail and in fact the person who introduced it to me is denise who is uh who has the username with love Dak, if you guys are familiar with her so she 
when she heard that I was, when we, she kind of talked about doing Anastasia, I, we, she had like the initial idea. I started working on it and writing it. And so she was like, you need to read this series because she's Russian. And she's like, this is the belief system that I grew up with. This is my culture. And she was like, any book I've ever read set in Russia, this is the most accurate. And she was like, the, the level of research in this book is just out of control. Oh, that makes me so happy. Cause like, oh God. Okay. So the nurse has another dream. And again, he's the strangers like, give her the necklace. It's time. Like it's time. It's, yeah, this is like the final <laughs> warning. Like the next time. <laughs> right. Like the next time I come for you is gonna be the last time because I'm gonna come for you. Like, cause he's he's like also death. Like it's it's like yeah. he, it's a Ooh, nuanced thing. Like that. So the nurse wakes up but like she's dying she's doing a big die like she's super weak she's lived for a really long time like she let the lady rest and eventually like throughout this process it manages to give the amulet to Vasya and it's like don't tell your dad that I gave you this kind of thing also before this Vasya and her the last remaining brother that's like with her in like the her youngest brother or the closest one they go out and they dig up this zombie and like stick it through its mouth which he's like oh yeah i guess this isn't a total fairy tale Um, (laughs) and so so the nurse dies and vasya is not there for like the the burial bits she's yes so that's when they go stick it through the mouth is when like they're taking care of it but they can't really tell people because they're like oh we took care of it we're just not gonna worry everyone but you know Fair. So the, but so the father and the oldest brother are called away because there's like a thing going on with a nearby village. It's been like burned up bad. So she's like, please don't go. And he's like, gotta go. I am like the head person who's in charge of this shit. I don't have the option of just not going. So they leave. Fuck right off. And Anna, or like he had decided like, we're just going to send her to a convent because like, again, no one's going to marry her now because she's too wild. She's too, you know, witchy, whatever, but we can send her to a convent and like, you know, the frost demon's not going to fuck with the lady of God as if knowing all the while that sending her to a convent is like a horrible fate for his wild daughter. But he's like, at least she'll live. At least she'll live maybe. But like, these are the two options. There's two options, convent and marriage. And we can't marry her. So we got to send her to a convent without talking to her. This decision's made. Oh no. So while she's gone, Anna's like, they have like a confrontation or whatever. And Anna's like, bitch, you're going to a convent. You're going to do it tomorrow. I'm out. We're done. Like gets the priest on board. Like, I don't care if it's, you know, you have to leave now. And Vasya is like, absolutely not. I'm not doing this. They fight. And she's like, okay, cool. Fine. Then go into the forest and get snowdrops. Like the the flower. And she's like, it's fucking almost midwinter. And she's like, don't give a shit. Those are your two options. Figure it out. And so Vasya's like, cool, I would rather die in a snowbank than go to a convent. So bye. And just takes off. Um, The priest tries to stop her. There's a scuffle. She escapes because she's like, again, fuck right off. I am choosing my fate. You don't get to decide for me. Yeah, Vasya. And so while she's out in the woods, starts a big freeze. Starts a big freeze. Does It's super cold. Her courage starts to fail her because, you know, freezing to death she's sucks. 14 and she's freezing and she's, to death well she's i think she's probably 15 by this point 
Okay. And, and the Wait. way that, that she describes the cold, the way that the winter is like a constant presence in Russia and the way that the, the cold is like a constantly described. And like Katie said, these, they're from a wealthy family. They are boyers. So it goes like princes and then boyers, which is like the nobility. And then like everybody else and then like serfs down below. So it's like, they are wealthy, but even they are starving and freezing in the North of Russia mm. all the time. And like at the brink of death all the time. Yeah. And so she goes out and just like, right as she's a, like, she actually at one point turns around, but then she's like, I don't recognize this fucking forest. God damn it. (gasps) And happens upon an oak tree and sort of like, it's kind of like one of those things like where you have a flash of memory from like when you're younger that you're like, oh wait, I've been here before. And here's footsteps behind her. And she like keeps looking, but there's like no one there. And then she sees the one-eyed man in front of her. And then she like, the freaking not the zombie is her nurse her nurse has been turned into a no, zombie I hate is it. behind I hate her it. and she's just like oh fuck and but then before the the zombie can pounce because it's doing a pounce like a man on the white horse sweeps in throws her over the horses like wither withers withers and does a run and um and a, it, I, the, my favorite part about the scene though is that like so many times it's like they swept him onto the horse and they did whatever and it's like She's like, I feel like my guts are being like torn out of my body because she's like uh, on the withers uh, of the horse yeah. as it's running <laughs> on like her stomach. And so, you know, turns out this is the frost demon and he takes her back to his place, which is like this really mind bendy forest slash cabin, depending on which way you look at it. And he just, you know, he feeds her, he heals her. The healing's very painful because he can heal her, but he cannot make it good. Her, His horse, you know, because she can speak to horses, his horse talks, his horse is pretty delightful, frankly. He, for reasons that I'm sure we'll get into in other books, like goes and finds Nightingale, who is a Nightingale, but then turns into a horse that is now her horse. And he's like, hey, she's like, I got to get back. Like, I have to get back. Like, I, you know, I was supposed to get snowdrops, which he delivers to her. He gives her, he's like, here's some snowdrops for you. And if I can interject, her horse is so adorable. So he can talk and he is the son of Maraz's horse, which is a female. And so he's young and he's like, he's a stallion. So he's like arrogant and conceited and he loves yummy food. And he's just hilarious. Like he has this personality that is just so charming and so perfect for Vasek they're both young and full of spirits well like his first thing is like you're gonna ride me and she's like i can't even stand up so maybe not right now and he's like all right i guess and like they like eventually like when she eventually does ride him he's just like i'm not certain about this nonsense and they figure it out and then like she convinces him to like let her braid his hair and it's just it's super their their relationship is super cute but she's told like say heal you need to heal because you're all fucked up um no time will pass so like when you Mm. are delivered back to your home it'll be the dawn after you left and meanwhile while this is going on the priest is like hey motherfucker you took her i that that's not bring her back to the smoke or the sorry the shadows and the shadows is like okay well i will bring her back but like a witch for a witch so do you have Mm -hmm. another witch for me and it's like, which is someone who sees? And he's like, oh, fuck, Anna sees. And he's like, all right. And it's like, deliver her to the oak oh, tree at the yeah. edge of the forest. And he's like, there's not an oak tree at the edge of the forest. And the shadow's like, cool, don't worry about it. Just do the thing. Go to the edge of the forest. You'll find it. I'll find you. It's cool. And like, Constantine's like, this is sketchy. But also, if I bring her back, that'll clear me of like my guilt 
even if I have to do bad stuff to bring her back. So like, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. That checks out of my head. Yeah. He's, he's very good at convincing himself that like what he wants is actually the righteous choice to make. Yes. Oh he can, he like even holds sway over himself yeah. in that way. Yeah. We're like, yeah. And he, he is so power hungry, but like so in denial about it. So he's not, he's not just doing it for Rossi. He's doing it to keep his deal going with this demon. So he's fine with that. seeing him as the love interest. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, just remember that she's 14. She's 14. He is looking at this 14 year old, like, Hey girl, like it's mm, not great. Um, then, so she ends up coming back like the the frost king's like you can't fight my brother like i need to midwinter to bind him again like if you go back you're not strong enough you don't even know what the fuck you're doing you are a baby and yes you have some magic but also like what you're doing you're gonna get dead and if he kills you that will break his binding because he needs to kill a witch to break his binding and vasi is like cool but also if i leave my entire village is gonna die because like they i'm the only one holding the fort down basically like with the magic to keep him at bay and so she goes back and her brother was like about to like storm the woods or whatever like i i love ali ali gosh uh, whatever brother the brother we'll go with sasha (laughs) (laughs) um so she but then it's like wait where the fuck's anna at like where's anna and then it's like they figure out somehow that she was taken to the edge of the forest and they're like, Oh shit. She's a witch. She sees like, if he kills her, that's bad. Meanwhile, the priest has taken her to the edge of the forest and she starts screaming because she sees the, like the fear guy. And, but he just doesn't kill her immediately. He just like torments her in like, until she screams so much. She, her voice goes, because she's because he feeds on that fear and so vasya and her brother take off they're like we have to save her because if he kills her he's released we can't let that happen and they get there too late (laughs) too late like her dead nurse has done a murder up on the on her stepmother um and the bear like rises and he's a big old (gasps) big daddy bear with one eye his face is Uh all fucked up and like the like the the spirits the various spirits you know they've all been friendly to her but there was a warning earlier in the book that like if he rises you can't trust me because i will be on his side essentially whether by choice or by not because like the house demon is always on their side, but some like the Rasalka, the the mermaid, she is kind of bad by nature. So like one of the times Vasya saves the priest, another time when the Rasalka is trying to oh, drown him. And so there's creatures like that who are friends with Vasya, but once Medved rises, they switch sides. Yeah. Uh, and so that happens. So you can see them switching sides and going to his side, including the Rusalka. And she's like we're gonna do a fight and so her brother and her start fighting like it's like a little battle thing situation and they're losing they're oh oh i know what she she cuts her wrist and gives it to the her her zombie nurse and everyone's like stop doing that and she's like no i'm we're getting her back and so the nurse kind of comes back to herself a little bit and she goes to the frost demon and is like 
take her now while she's still herself. Um, and he's like, I don't know how long I'm going to be gone. Like I might be gone a minute. I might be gone an hour. It might be longer. She's like, I don't give a shit. We'll hold down the fort, whatever. Take her. Like she can't be like this forever. Cause and so Mar- he's like, Maraz the frost demon is also essentially a grim reaper. He comes and takes people's souls. Uh, yeah. So take her, like take her to the afterlife. So she's not yeah. a zombie anymore. Okay. Yeah. So she's not under um, his brother's domain any longer because she, okay. as she was dying before he could get there and take her, she died in fear, which is how the brother got control of her. As you know, the battle's turning, they're losing hope. She's off the freaking horse. Her brother's surrounded. Oh, he gets pinned down. She's like, we're going to die. That's when her dad shows up and he comes in and just does like a thing and is like, like, the bear is like yeah no fuck off i i'm gonna eat your son cool this is cool with you right i'm gonna gonna eat him he's mine now and he's like no take me instead he's like you're kind make deals you're gonna take me instead and the bear's like the fuck i am but the dad rushes him and he reacts like instinctively and slaps him like with his big old bear paw and kills him therefore you need to take the dad as a sacrifice but when he kills him that's how it works oh (laughs) And the dad's death, like the bear, like withers, he withers and he turns into a man and like falls over kind of thing. And that's when frost demon shows up and he's like, and she's like, what the fuck is going on? And he's like, your dad bound him. Like humans have like power. And because of his sacrifice, he bound him better than I could have essentially. And so it's like a whole thing. And so the dad dies and he's buried between his two wives and her brother is like stay and she's like i cannot stay you don't think i heard them calling me a witch it doesn't matter if i saved you like i have to leave and he's just he knows she's right he can't protect her from the whole freaking village and he said it before in the past and so it's just like be safe please come back at some point she's like i'm gonna come back at some point i promise be well do the thing feed the you know do the sacrifices she i think she convinced at the priest to leave as well and so she gets on her horse friend and rides into the forest and goes back to the cottage that is also a forest glen and knocks on the door and the frost demon opens it. And then that's the end of the book. <laughs> <sighs> and so in the second book, Vasya departs into the world dressed as a boy and begins like the process of living her adventure. So the second book is, is about further her battle against Medved and her learning how to be on her own and like live her life. And then the third book is like, it goes on, is, is the third book sort of addresses the political situation that Katie was talking about where at the time in Russia, in the medieval era, Russia was not like a unified country yet. It's under the control of a lot of princes, some of whom have Tartar blood, but the golden horde, the Mongols are like running rampant and taking over the world. And they are burning down these, these Russian cities and extracting these huge uh, tariffs from the people. So So this book, the series, is also about the unification of Russia, how Russia became an independent nation. So she's involved partly in that over the course of the three books, too. Whoa. Uh, It's so good. It's so good. I also just, as I was reading it, I don't know if you've read Juliet Marlier. It's M-A-R-I-L-L-I-E-R. She does this kind of story, but for Irish mythology. Uh And but each book is its own romance, but it follows this 
this one family through the course of, I think it's like six books. And the first book is a seven swans retelling. Um, oh, I love that. It's, it's, she's one of my favorite authors, but it gives that, it gives, it feels very similar to this in like tone and that it's like really rich in history. And it's like, feels like a fairy tale. It's very gorgeous. I'm like, loving the, that. Like the, I don't even like just all the, because from my side where I'm not reading it, I'm catching like all the ways that it's just so archetypally built as a fairy tale. And like, you know, the one eyed man and the man like they have to have these defining features so that when they swoop in, you're immediately connecting them. And like the re repetition and the the warnings and like, it's so cool. And the, and the way that characters tested like that's I thought that was so fascinating in the very first fairy tale. It's like all fairy tales, like if you read the Grimm's fairy tales or ones from all different cultures, there's always this idea that your character is tested. And if you are worthy, you are given magical help. And if you are not, then you get your punishment. And so it, it is very interesting how like Fasia gets tested to the extreme over this series and the way that like she is pushed and pushed and bent and twisted and constant obstacles and like she always finds a way to overcome and her her fortitude is unbelievable especially in book two Oh, God, Amazing. I'm gonna have to read it. I like I said I bought it as soon as I finished this one. I was like, and one click. Yeah, it's just I I love like because I'm I'm obsessed with fairy tales. And so the when I find a book that gives me those vibes, it's like, yes, this is going on the keeper shelf forever. Ah. Oh, so into it. All right, aftercare. <laughs> okay. Who has a rag? Oh, I just saw Hades Town yesterday. I've been trying to see that freaking play for three years. No, yeah, three years. I missed it twice now. And it came into town and I saw it. And thank God I have the matinee because apparently the the later show on the same day was canceled because of covid reasons so i'm like no can you imagine i yeah it was i in in looking at the cast list the people who did eurydice and orpheus were like the third build like understudies they did an amazing job they were super great it was delightful i hope everybody's okay <laughs> but also like i was just like grinning the whole time like oh uh, so yeah because i've spent three years regretting not just like dragging you when we went when we were at rwa new york yep. <laughs> like yep. <laughs> yeah yeah so oh, it's um, so good it's if you haven't checked it out my orpheus is directly inspired by the like the soundtrack not necessarily the acting play version of orpheus from that play because um <laughs> like the fuck it's boy so who's just like into his song he's into his song he's a musician of course <laughs> yeah. he didn't hear her when she called for him how was he supposed to know so uh, yeah i love it yay sophie do you have one well, there is one that relates to, I think, Orpheus and Eurydice and, and like a really old Greek play that is about that. And it's called The Silent Patient. Have you guys ever seen that one? Mm -hmm. it, is a, it is a thriller that is about this psychologist who is trying to interview this woman who murdered her husband. She was an artist and she murdered her husband in this really graphic and horrific way. And she's never spoken a word ever since. She didn't defend herself at her trial. She's never talked to any psychologist. She's just been in a mental institution for six years, utterly silent. And so he's kind of developed this fixation on her and he believes that he can get her to speak and tell her side of the story. And so he goes and gets a job at this place and starts working with her. And then slowly,
slowly you her mystery is revealed and his mystery is revealed but there's all these parallels to greek mythology he himself is greek and so there's all this imagery that has to do with with just like greek plays and the chorus and all of these kinds of greek morality so it's really really well done oh so I'm cool gonna check that out i just yeah. wrote it down. <laughs> yeah oh i love it Oh, and there's a, a running joke. I haven't been reading or watching anything. I've just been working and like can't, I just don't have the capacity for it. So week after week, I'm basically, my aftercare is the music of Hosier. But now I've reached this other level where I can't just listen or have watched like, cause he's better live. So like live videos on YouTube, I now have to watch reaction videos of other people watching him sing live. <laughs> you are so deep down this rabbit hole. It makes I me so happy. Help. Somebody needs to pull me out. And I kid you not, I even have a specific rec. Like Steven reacts as I think the guy on YouTube. And he's just <laughs> like, he's made an entire channel out of reacting to other people's live music. He has like a Patreon with almost 2000 people on it. Oh he's just like this little he's just so like positive and upbeat and you just like smile watching him so that is my absolutely ridiculous aftercare like it's i don't know what the next step from here is but it's escalating and somebody needs to stop me i never thought to go see them live but that makes me want to because he's so powerful his voice is like i just put his song sunlight on the anastasia playlist and i'm love it it's so like it's like so hopeful but so sad like oh it's gorgeous. i i cannot wait for this book from you i'm not gonna lie i'm i, I take as much time as you need no pressure but also yeah, i'm very right? excited well i i read the most incredible book while i was doing research i'll tell you guys the name of that one too if you're ever interested in reading a non-fiction about it, it i want to get the name and title perfectly right here so it's called romanovs and it's by simon Sebag Montefiore, and it is the most gossipy, fascinating, like this is what these people were really like, and here's all the dirt on all the shit they did, and it is so good. He knows exactly how to tell you the anecdotes that you're most fascinated by, and he he went through all of the Romanov's correspondence, all of their journals. He knows everything about everybody, and it was so useful when I was trying to fill in the blanks on some of the side characters, like the Uncle Nikolasha, or like, he really, he really tells you everything about some of the minor players that don't get a lot of, uh, a lot of information online anywhere else. And this That's is Sophie's great. Anastasia book that we're talking about. Yes. It's like Katie and I are both obsessed, so we immediately know, but, and it's coming later this year. Yes, December um, 6th is the, and, the firm date. <laughs> but you've got art for every chapter heading. And I like was freaking out texting Katie when I saw it and was just like, I need the print in my hands. Like there's absolutely no way you could not order the print. The way that Lena, the way that her art has grown and developed, she is reaching new heights with Anastasia beyond like anything she's drawn before. The way that she reads, I send her each chapter as I complete it. And the way that she reads it and she pulls out the imagery and symbolism and works it into the art and like the way, and then she inspires me with it. And then I do things that inspire her art. And we're in this, like, I've never, other than with Rai, I've never had such a symbiotic collaboration with someone where we're really kind of pushing each other in this particular project and we're both just obsessed <laughs> so yes. oh so that's cool. magic right there is what that is that's amazing yeah. 
Sometimes yeah. I feel like she's reading my mind because she'll she'll put things in the art that I like haven't even written into the story yet. They're just in my outline, but she can see where I'm going and she's just, she's incredible. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm so, excited. so, so excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if people want to find you online, where can they do that? So I'm on Instagram, TikTok, um, and Patreon as well. And uh, yep, just those are my... Uh, and Facebook as well. I have a great Facebook group, The Love Larks. It's like an incredible author group. Those women are so supportive and so loving and so kind and so positive. It's like, if you go to Love Larks, you're going to leave happier. So. Oh, I love it. Aww. Yay. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, Hannah Witten joins us to recap Surrender to Sin by Nicola Davidson. All I have to say to you is, Regency Sex Toy Warehouse. Warehouse, y'all. If you want to support the show, you can rate and review us wherever you're listening right now. You can join the Temple of Defiant Joy for tons of bonus content. Or or you can pledge the Kickstarter for peculiar tastes. So, go enjoy your next bonkers read. And remember, if the shadows start talking to you, maybe consider that it could also not be God. No, you're right. That's silly.